Warning, the Chaotic Culture Podcast is a program for mature audiences. The language and content presented in this podcast is of a mature nature that some audiences may not find suitable. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Grab your loved ones and bring them closer Extra, extra, read the poster The KKP is taking over Sleeping on me, better smell the Folgers I've been razor sharp since the Motorola Off the O, like the cover over Popping bottles, get all in the sofa It's a celebration, though the times is hard It's raining blessings, give it up to God Chaotic culture, the greatest part We can't the pro, the one in charge But it's a celebration, times is hard It's raining blessings, give it up to God Chaotic culture, the greatest part We can't the pro, the one in charge We're living in a chaotic culture We're living in a chaotic culture nights after such a disappointing night in Virginia, at least from my vantage point. It's just really crazy. It it really is. And I understand just how purple Virginia is, but I didn't expect this. Matter of fact, I take that back. I expected it, but I was hoping that it wasn't going to come to fruition. However, judging from trends with Virginia, it was only a matter of time. I think Virginia really went through an, an anomaly when they were able to elect back-to-back Democratic governors and had not elected a Republican governor since my freshman year in college. So for the first time in 12 years, Virginia has elected a Republican governor. But before I get into the details of that, let's go ahead and uh, introduce the pod. Uh, So good morning once again, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Chaotic Culture Podcast, the podcast where chaos rules and black culture is elevated. As always, embrace the culture. This podcast will deep dive into modern black culture and how millennials and Gen Z can navigate the crazy parts, finances, music. Black business highlights, home ownership, college, sports, black nerddom, all that and everything in between. Live from the 75, I'm the host and creator of the Chaotic Culture Podcast, your boy Ked the Pro, aka the Calculator Millennial, aka the Cutlass Diamond, aka don't be pushing on my buttons in my cutlass unless you cutting, aka Panda's favorite toxic adjacent king, aka Noob Cybot Denizen of the Nether Realm. The 843 is me, but VA is where I stay. Always chaotic, never toxic in most cases. Can't believe that we have to discuss this. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just still so flabbergasted, uh, and I, I really didn't want to go on a rant about this because I was hoping Virginia would actually do better. Unfortunately, that was not the case, and it's unfortunate that I have to come onto this podcast and and rant about this 
uh, election that just happened. Uh, for those of you who weren't paying to the uh, gubernatorial election in Virginia, um, I'll get to that in just a second. But first things first, I want to um, address a few things. Of course, if you have been listening to this podcast, I once again appreciate all of our listeners and our subscribers through Anchor. Um, of course, please be sure that if you haven't subscribed and would like to subscribe, you can subscribe through us through our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash pod. You can join us at any of the four levels. It don't matter which one. I don't care if you even donate just a penny or a dollar. Any support helps. Likewise, a shout out to my co-hosts, Law and Nasa. Right now, they are not here. Um, we will be recording a, another episode soon. And pay attention to that because we're bringing the music roundtable back for a little fun episode. But I, I had to get this one out because, for obvious reasons, I, I'm clearly upset. I am clearly upset of the situation. And unfortunately, you know, there's nothing I can do. I did my part, mostly. But it is what it is. I don't foresee us being in Virginia that much longer. And the good thing about Virginia's uh, gubernatorial situation is that a governor can only serve one term. They cannot serve consistent terms which is what the Democratic candidate was trying to do. He had served one term, and he was actually trying to come back for a second term. But at any rate, before I get into the meat and potatoes of that situation, first got to talk about a few things that I saw in the, uh, in the culture today. Uh, first and foremost, by now you guys have heard about the situation with the former wide receiver of the Las Vegas Raiders, Mr. Henry Ruggs III, um, who was a, if I'm not mistaken, a former wide receiver for the Alabama Crimson Tide before he got drafted. Excuse me. Now, this situation is really, really, really just, it's infuriating because we understand that their people are young and we understand that they're going to make bad decisions or poor decisions and make mistakes it happens you're young it's going to happen regardless it's going to happen throughout our entire life pretty much we're going to make you know decisions that we wish we could take back and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to falter but this kind of decision this is something that you can't really take back you're going to have to live with this forever um, for those who are not familiar with the situation, um, Mr. Ruggs had, uh, he was involved in a DUI, and he crashed his Corvette into another car, and the person in that other car died, and apparently their pet died too. Mr. Ruggs was doing 156 miles per hour in a residential 156 miles per hour in a residential area what I, I get scared when people decide that they're gonna go over 90 shoot I don't even really want to touch 90 if we being honest y'all but here's the thing 
My boy, it, it was a DUI. My boy had an alcohol level of 0.161. That is twice the legal limit. Bruh. Apparently, he his airbags deployed at 127, which means he probably saw what was about, what was about to happen. Tried to break, but it was too late. 156. I'm surprised Henry is still alive. Himself. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I don't know where the decision making was. I understand that he's young. I understand that this man isn't, you know, has had money. But dude, 156 in all of my years, especially in college. There are certain times where I knew that I wasn't good to drive. So I did either one or two things. One, I stayed at the the place that I was until the next day. Or if I was riding with somebody or if I had picked them up and I knew that I was not coherent enough to drive, I gave them the keys because I knew that they were still good. Like, yo, take the keys. I can't drive. I'm clearly faded. And if there was ever a situation where I was driving impaired for some reason, if for whatever reason uh, I thought I was good and then realized I was not, I found a way to make sure that I stayed safe. But in all of those years, I never once considered ever going that fast. In a vehicle like that. That is absolutely beyond me. I don't know. What was going on. In his mind. I I seriously don't. I don't know what. How you could be that impaired one. But being that drunk. I don't know anybody, whether in their sober mind or in their drunk mind, who just who would decide, you know what, I'm going to do 156 in a residential. I can't fathom that. But then again, I'm not an NFL player. I probably will never have the kind of money that Henry Ruggs was seeing before the Raiders released him. What's also interesting is that... Um, my friend K. Renee, uh, for those who don't know, please be sure that you check out Brutal Honesty with K. Renee. Um, what K. told me was that his baby mama was with him. Which makes it an even bigger liability because why did you not take the keys from him? Why the hell did you get in the car with him? Why the hell did you not drive if that was the case? Stop this man from ruining his career and perhaps potentially taking another person's life. Unfortunately, that did not happen. And now, Buddy is locked up and is probably going to spend a significant amount of time in jail. Especially because they found uh, an illegal loaded firearm in the Corvette. So now, driving under the influence. Reckless driving. Vehicular homicide. 
and an illegal firearm in your car. Even if Mans took a plea deal, I don't see him getting out of jail for. Uh, he can't not. He he's probably going to be doing at least ten. At least ten. Surprised if they don't throw the whole book at him. Unfortunately, he is a black man in America, so you already know that the justice system is already biased against you. And then here you go when you do this. <sighs> anyway. Um, guys, just give me one second. I got to get my thoughts together. Hang on real tight. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. I'll probably edit that out. Or at least try to, but whatever. Um, okay. The next thing that I wanted to get to is, um, for those of us who are wrestling fans, uh, WWE had their, uh, quarterly annual report today. And their, their funds were, of course, well beyond their expectations. But anytime they go through these quarterly reports, I always get nervous because I know that they're about to release a whole lot of people. Sure enough, WWE released a string of people. Some of them I saw coming, but others... Let's let's start here. Eva Marie, I saw coming. Jeet Rama, uh, unfortunately, I saw coming. Blue Giles Party, I saw coming. Harry Smith, I'm kind of disappointed that they did that, but I saw it coming. Zeta Ramir, didn't even really give her a chance. Jessica Mayer, same thing. Only Lorcan, unfortunately, I saw coming. They they want to get younger and bigger. Also, I, I kind of knew that was coming. Uh, Katrina Cortez, I'm not familiar with. Frankie Monet. Yeah, they literally did that. Thankfully, Frankie Monet was only under NXT NXT contract, so she is it's a 30 day no complete calls. That's just. That's disappointing as hell because Frankie Monet can can go. She can go. For those of you who don't know who Frankie Monet is, it's Taya Valkyrie from Impact. And she's also the wife of uh, John Morrison, who uh, wrestles with WWE. Which, I don't know what it is about WWE and couples. I really don't, but that gets into my next part. Scarlett Bordeaux and Karrion Cross both released. Now, you put them together and you have an unstoppable force. But for whatever reason, Vince split them apart. Gave Carrion Cross some kind of gimmick that I did not understand. We did we don't see Scarlet for, for months. And then he just decides to go and release them. 
this was Triple H's one of his pet projects. Karrion Cross was a two-time NXT champion. It's like I, I I don't get it. And the moment that I knew that Vince and Bruce Prichard got their hands on NXT, I, I don't know if it changed for the better or worse. I'll let you guys be the judge for those of you who are wrestling fans. But this is just absolutely infuriating because. Granted, was Karrion my favorite wrestler? No, but did I like his gimmick when Scarlett was uh, a part of it? Yes. Anyway. The next one that really upset me was Ember Moon. Ember Moon is probably one of the best women wrestlers on that roster. Like, her wrestling technique, her repertoire, phenomenal nobody was touching her I'm sorry she went back to NXT rebranded herself and became the first ever woman to hold both the NXT Women's Championship and the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships I, it's really hard because I was a big fan of Ember Moon when she was Athena. And, yo. It just, it's really, really crazy. She was trained in Booker T school. Like, this girl could really wrestle. She could go. She, and then she was going back and, and doing a whole character change and whatnot, and they just let her go. Now, because she was in NXT, then went to the main roster, and then went back to NXT... I don't know what the future holds for her. I don't. But I, I really hope all the best for her because that was really one of my favorite women's wrestlers. Anyway, um, B-Fab from uh, Hit Row. He didn't even give B-Fab a chance. She was literally there all of five seconds. Hit Row formed an NXT. And she was one of the big, biggest parts as far as the, the singing ability and having a, a lady in the ranks. And, and didn't they get called up to Raw and now she's released? Sometimes I don't get it. I don't get it. And I know WWE likes to claim that these are all budget cuts, but I, I really just don't get it. But the two biggest releases that really, really, really irritate me. Mia Yim. None of those other releases got under my skin. This one did. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I seriously don't. <sighs> you change his theme song when he comes back. Uh, oh, from NXT. Change his theme song. Change his attire. Change his theme song again where he, it actually fits him. He goes away for a while because he catches COVID, and then he ends up having heart inflammation problems, and now he's trying to take care of himself, and now that he's back to full health, you change his character again, decide to work him as a heel, give him the name Bearcat, he comes back for two matches, and now he's gone.
being a wrestling fan is one of the hardest things. Granted, we have multiple promotions that would be able to take all of these wonderful, wonderful wrestlers. However, just the simple fact that the way that Vince runs this organization, I I just... I don't know how much longer as a fan I can take that. I've been a WWE fan for as long as I can remember. My first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 14. So I guess I've been a fan of WWE since 98. As an avid watcher of WWE since 98. Back when they were WWF, of course, during the Attitude Era. But, and I like, <clears throat> excuse me, mm, goodness, and I like AEW. I really, I really like AEW. And I've been watching episodes, so I really love the product that they have. But a small part of me really wanted, you know, WWE to continue to thrive it the way that it does. Naturally, I am sick. Especially with that Keith Lee one, because I've been a big fan of Keith Lee even before he got into NXT. When I discovered him on the indies, that man, that dude was an absolute superstar. And Vince fumbled the bag. Heavy. Uh, If Big E was not WWE champion, if Roman Reigns was not Universal champion... I really don't know if I can if I will stay with WWE as much as I do now. Granted, I'm still going to go to a show because I bought tickets to go see SmackDown. Um, this by the time you hear this, um, it'll be Friday, so I, I still have tickets to go see them next Friday when they come to the scope. But I I just don't know. I don't know how much more I can take as a fan. I can understand if there were, you know, certain people who just weren't over with the fans and they were terrible workers and you had to release them because they weren't really doing much of anything. But to release somebody who you were in the middle of working with, who was struggling health-wise, but put... His faith in you to help him get back to where he needed to be. I know corporate America is corporate America, but damn, talk about some backstabbing ass shit. Dog, man, the documentary on Keith Lee that I watched, uh, I forgot if it was after, I forgot what event that was after, but seeing that document and seeing how much Vince seemed to really, really like this dude. That's a problem. That is so two-faced. It's just crazy. It is It is absolutely crazy. And I still can't f- figure my head around this. Like, I really want to just go outside and scream at the top of my lungs. Like, yo, WWE, what the hell are you doing? What in the absolute hell are you doing? I wish I knew Vince McMahon personally. I would literally cuss him out in front of his face. For that move alone. The rest, 
I would probably be upset, but I could probably get over. But this Keith Lee situation, that one really, really hurt. But anyway, I know that these wrestlers are going to find work elsewhere. And Keith Lee is going to be a star somewhere. Man, I I know AEW really shouldn't be signing everybody in their mama. Because now they also have a bloated roster. But I, I sincerely hope that either AEW or New Japan Pro Wrestling or CLW, somebody picks this man up and makes him champion. So that way WWE can see the money they missed out on from this dude. From the opportunities that his this dude could have brought them. The, the big money matches that we could have had with Brock or, or with Roman Reigns or... Or with anybody, man. <sighs> Let me get off this wrestling soapbox, bro. Because I could go on and on about my gripes with WWE. But it's really time to get into the actual topic. So. Let's start by readdressing the, um, the Virginia gubernatorial election. Now, Virginia always has an off-year election from the presidential election. So, uh, every year, the election is going to be after a presidential election. And as I said before, Virginia governors cannot serve consecutive term. It's one term. That's it. Somebody else comes in. Now, you can come back and try to get that seat back. But you cannot run for two consecutive terms. So, for those who don't know and have not been paying attention, the two candidates were um, former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, who, again, had served from uh, 20, 2014 to 2018, if I'm not mistaken. He had served, yeah, because he was elected in 2013. So, he served from 2014 to 2018. And this was his second time. That was his second time running as governor because he had run once before and it failed. So this was so that was the second time. This was his third time running. He was running against the uh, GOP candidate Glenn Youngkin, who, for those who don't know, was the former CEO. Excuse me, Glenn Youngkin was the former CEO of the Carlisle Group, which is a private equity firm. This man, Glenn Youngkin, is worth almost half a billion dollars. So naturally, I'm already not with that. I'm already against the whole thing of uh, former CEOs of businesses coming to run uh, a, a state or a nation. That's why I damn sure was against Trump, but I was against Trump for other reasons. I'm not a fan of Mitt Romney. I'm not a fan of anybody who was who made their money in a company and they decide, oh, well, if I can do that, I can run a state or I can run a nation. For some reason, people think that this translates well into the the leader of millions of people. That they can govern a state or that they can uh, govern a nation. That's one issue that I already have. 
I now I could go into a whole spiel about Youngkins being a multi-millionaire, almost a billionaire, and some other things about the the just about the system itself, as far as you know him being a part of the the one percent, but. I'm going to leave that part alone because we we really got to talk about this election. So, to get back on track, if you did not see, the GOP, in Virginia anyway, had a field day. Glenn Youngkin is now the governor-elect of Virginia. The House of Delegates for Virginia is now back in GOP control by one seat. We now have a, a GOP lieutenant governor and Winsome Sears, who is the first African-American woman to ever be elected as lieutenant governor. On that part, I guess that's good, but uh, I'm not too fond of that choice for obvious reasons. And also, Virginia has elected an attorney general who I forgot his name. He's, um, I believe he's a part Cuban. Um... But yeah, he, he got elected, but he's also GOP as well. Obviously, they're right-wingers. <sighs> Disappointing. Especially considering that Glenn Youngkin is the first Republican winner since 2009. So, after the mess that was Bob McDonald. McDonald, excuse me. Not McDonald, McDonald. After the mess that was Bob McDonald and the scandal with him in 2013 Terry McAuliffe runs as uh, the Democratic candidate for governor now beforehand he was a bundler or a fundraiser for the Clintons and had earned his way up the uh, the chain of leadership in the Democratic Party he his opponent was Ken uh, Cuccinelli if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly and Despite the fact that Virginia likes to elect someone of the opposite party, when uh, uh, they like to elect a member of the opposite party of the White House. So Obama had one re-election, so I'm expecting Virginia to hire, or not hire, to elect another GOP governor. They actually don't. And that's partially because Ken uh, Cuccinelli was... He, he was just absolutely terrible. Now, Terry McAuliffe, unfortunately, is not the best Democratic candidate. I didn't think he was the best bet, uh, Democratic candidate back then, and I didn't think so now. However, he was the Democratic candidate. Now, that year, I did not vote for Terry McAuliffe back in 2013, in part because I, I admittedly, this was the one election that I missed since I've been eligible to vote I forgot I, plain and simple I have no excuses I just forgot McAuliffe still ends up winning which was a surprise and I guess that's because Cuccinelli was not a really likable Republican during that time he serves four years his uh, his policies as governor were actually decent 
they started this chain reaction with Virginia. Virginia was still pretty much purple at this point because he was governor, but the, the control of the Senate and of the uh, House of Delegates was still very much Republican. So, but still, it was an even governorship. It, it wasn't anything spectacular, but it he's, he got some things done. His term is up. His lieutenant governor, Ralph Northam, runs as the Democratic nominee. He wins. The Democratic nomination goes up against uh, Ed Gillespie, who had actually lost um, to Mark Warner, Mark Warner for the um, Senate for a Senate seat. And this is during the time that Trump was just elected president. Now, what we've learned is that Virginia does not like Trump at all. Even Republicans here can't stand Trump and will happily vote against him. As seen when they voted for Hillary in the uh, in that election. And it's crazy because Virginia has consistently voted for a Democratic president since Obama. It's gone to Obama twice. It went to Hillary. It went to Joe Biden. But to really explain the situation. We see that Ralph Northam wins in a landslide because just that many people do not like Trump. And this man, Ralph Northam, wins by nine points. Then the 2020 election comes up. Virginia goes to Joe Biden. Joe Biden wins by 10. So people think it's all gravy now because the state pretty much has a consistent uh, vote with Democrats. The Democrats were able to change around the House of Delegates, and now they got a 55-45 majority. Um, they lead in the Senate 21-19. to 19. They have things in power, and the policies in Virginia, once that changed around, like exploded. You saw a lot of progressive policies being pushed, and Virginia really becoming a, um, a progressive state. Now, fast forward to the 2021 VA gubernatorial race. Here's some things that went wrong. And I, I understand, you know, I'm, I'm fairly disappointed that a lot of people weren't really motivated to go out and vote for Terry McAuliffe because he has about as much enthusiasm as a brick. I'm serious. Like, the man had no enthusiasm whatsoever. And even when he was governor before, he didn't have that much enthusiasm. But still, here are some things that really went wrong here. The one thing during this campaign that McAuliffe did not capitalize on was his record as governor. Throughout this entire race, he really didn't talk about what he did as governor and how he would continue to help the people of Virginia. He didn't do that. I don't know if he got comfortable thinking that Virginia was going to be a blue state from here on out. I don't know what in his mindset or what in his campaign's mindset led him to believe that. But he didn't tout his record as governor and he didn't push the plan that he wanted to push. All of his plans were were solid. But he didn't talk about them extensively. And I'll get to why he didn't do that in a minute. But let's let's go on to the next bullet point. He 
there was not enough of him attacking his opponent for having no plan whatsoever. Glenn Youngkin's plan, as far as I know, was nothing. Glenn just made himself to be a um a, da- a like a one of those a get along dads. You know, touting himself up as you know one of, a friendly neighbor. And the main thing that he wanted to do was give parents the options for private schools. So the voucher plan again. And that's the only thing that I can remember. Everything else was just fluff. Like, Yunkin had no plan. So he did not slam him enough for having no plan. What he decided to do instead was try tying Yunkin to Trump. Now, granted, I understand that, you know, you want to try and, and especially if your opponent is says that he's grateful to Trump and he accepts his uh, endorsement and all that good shit. But Yunkin kept Trump far away from Virginia as possible. And that was a very smart move because Republicans in Virginia, once again, do not like Trump. So if Trump had come here and had decided that he was going to campaign for Yunkin, it would have shot Yunkin in the foot. And I'm pretty sure McAuliffe would have eked out a win. But as you can see throughout the campaign, Yunkin kept Trump at an arm's length. And because of that, he was able to reel in more Republican confidence because the Republicans here, again, do not like Trump. And they know that if Trump was on the ballot, quote unquote, if he was campaigning for this dude, a lot of Republicans here would have been like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. But because of that, they didn't feel the, that Yunkin was going to run the state into the ground. They felt he was a palatable Republican. Now, we all know the issues of the GOP, especially the modern-day version of the GOP. We understand the, the hatred and the animosity and the absolute just atrociousness that, that flows through this party. However, they found a way to win without Trump by keeping him at arm's length. And what McCullough continuously tried to do was paint this picture that he was going to, that Youngkin was going to submit himself unto Trump and that Trump was on the ballot with him. And and shout out to my boy, Michael. Um, Mike talked about this at length on uh, his Instagram, and I'll make sure that I uh, plug his Instagram here in, in the notes. But he talked about how the the campaign strategy for the Democratic Party worked. They had a little flyer that had Yunkin and Trump all over it. And saying that, oh, Glenn Yunkin is endorsed by uh, Donald Trump. But it had nothing about McCullough's plan. It had nothing saying that this is wrong and this is what McCullough will do for Virginians. It literally was free campaign for Yunkin. It was like, you're giving him a free ad here. What are you doing? If you looked closely at this ad, at the very bottom of that little 
I guess, quote-unquote, Trump endorsement, it said paid for by the Democratic Party. I don't know who the the strategists were in that building, but that kind of strategy damn sure backfired. I don't know what they were thinking, but that was not it. That was absolute trash. You're pretty much giving them a free pass here. Because when I saw that in my mail, I was confused as hell. Like, okay, why are the Republican Party sending me anything? They know better not to send me anything. Regardless of whether I vote, I'm damn sure not voting GOP. By all means, I might as well be a Democrat. And I'm saying this because in Virginia, technically, we're all independents. We don't actually have to put what our party affiliation is. But for all practical purposes, I've been voting Democrat. But seeing that, that should have been an alarm bell number one. Like, bro, what are you doing? Another problem that McCullough had. He waited too late to truly campaign. It's like he waited until the last minute. It's like this man knew he had the governorship in the bag. It's like he knew he was going to be governor again without actually trying. Do you know how many Yunkin signs I saw in the 7-5 alone as compared to how many McAuliffe signs I saw? Do you know how many times I saw the Yunkin plane fly over the 7-5 and above the um, the HRBT? And what did I see from McAuliffe's campaign? Not a damn thing except for maybe a couple signs here and there. I could probably literally count on my hand how many you know McCullough signs I saw not to say the signs vote they don't but still it's like McCullough didn't even try McCullough stayed in the pocket he stayed as far as his um campaign I didn't see him at any point in time come to the 7-5 and maybe that's because I was working but I, I never you know saw him do speeches there. I saw him do some in Richmond, and I saw him do some in Northern VA where we know that it's a Democratic stronghold there. But I didn't see anything in the 7-5. I didn't see him go to Virginia Beach. I didn't see him go to out west, which I admittedly, of course, is going to be majority Republican anyway, but still, I didn't see him make the effort. And it's like, did we not learn this lesson from Hillary Clinton when she decided not to go to Michigan and, and Wisconsin because... Uh, by all practical means, she thought that she had that in the bag because of the blue wall or the or the Rust Belt, you know, typically votes blue. How she did not go to Pennsylvania because she thought it was in the bag. Did we not learn this lesson, McAuliffe? It's like we just copied and pasted the Hillary Clinton campaign strategy. I don't get it. That did not work before. What made him think this was going to work again in Virginia by itself? The other problem I had, again, going back to him tying or trying to tie Young into Trump. Trump is not on the ballot. Trump is not the president anymore, at least for right now. You should be here touting up Joe Biden's plan. You should be here touting up your plan for Virginia. You should be praising your time as governor and showing how Virginia was able to grow when you were the governor here. 
Instead, we ignored all that and just kept saying, Glenn Youngkin has a mini Trump. Glenn, Glenn Youngkin has a mini Trump. Glenn Youngkin has a mini Trump. Bro. Bro. What? Oh. Uh, y'all, I wish y'all knew how disgusted I am. I'm just, I, I was, I am so disgusted. And that's not even the worst part of it. We all know that Republicans now have a new buzzword, and that's critical race theory. And for some reason, they decide to use that and to say that critical race theory only teaches hate and that we shouldn't be making white kids and other kids feel guilty about slavery and all that jazz and shit. That is not critical race theory. Critical race theory is not taught in Virginia schools, kindergarten through 12th grade. Critical race theory isn't even taught at the undergrad level. It is a graduate level course. At least what the true critical race theory is, what Glenn Youngkin and the other GOP are describing is bias from teachers who, of course, are... What they're doing is they're trying to incorporate you know, more understandings of racial disparities in their classrooms, but what they're failing to do is, or at least in the cases that we've quote-unquote heard from these Virginia parents, quote-unquote, is that they're, they're making it seem like these kids are devils, or they're making it seem that these um, white folk are, I, I, I don't know, that they are just born to be bred evil and and whatnot, it's like these teachers here are, I don't know what it is. Is that they're conditioned to, I don't know if it's a condition or, or whatnot or if they're conditioned to say this, but it's like the, the the bias that we already have towards white people, you know, they decided to, I guess, speak on that directly and out in the open to, I guess, I don't know, to shame these kids. I don't know what's been going on in the schools. I don't think that's what happened. But apparently this is what is happening, do, you know, because uh, I guess this is what some of the white parents are saying. I can't really deny nor confirm that. What I do know is that what they're describing is not critical race theory. It's like what they're describing is that somebody is trying to teach in, or have they might have an internal bias and without using history as a context, they're trying to teach about racial disparities. But that's not CRT. However, what I am learning is that because this is the new buzzword for GOP, GOP are, for whatever reason, they are motivated to now try and ban books so that way they the kids don't have to feel guilty about reading them or about learning it. So now they're trying to turn the whole critical race theory into uh, an attack on learning about civil rights and learning the truth about the history of this country. It's like they want us to forget all of the atrocities that the United States has done and just learn about the good parts. If that ain't brainwashing, I don't know what the hell that is. That's like some... Goodness gracious, that's, that's almost... I don't want to say that it is... Germany conditioning, but that's like <sighs> having that kind of mindset of not teaching about the atrocities that America has done 
and only leaving it for the good parts for the kids to learn about and for for teens and people in school that is i mean obviously it's whitewashing but yo y'all thought CRT was conditioning kids no what y'all what that is that that's uh, again i don't want to use that that uh the NAZI word but it's 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 that level it's it's damn sure close to it that's like saying oh america can do no wrong and will do no wrong and that is bullshit that is absolute bullshit and for parents who have this idea that that's you know that's how the kids should learn about history well i'm sorry but some of us kids and some of us who are that age do not have the privilege or and did not have the privilege to just ignore racism. I'm sorry. Some of us don't have that kind of uh, comfortable home where we can just turn a blind eye to it. Because some of us were introduced to racism at a very, very young age. Unfortunately. There was a question on Twitter saying that um, how young is too young for kids to learn about racism? The question should be how young is too, is too young for kids to experience racism? Because unfortunately, many of us have dealt with that since we were kids. But the GOP found a way to use it. And Terry McAuliffe did not help himself by doing that parent, um, using that parent quote, saying parents do not belong uh, in the classroom. I guess I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he 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 could have worded that so differently because now he has these parents who are uh, who captured, you know, who saw that and heard that. And of course, took it out of context and Glenn Youngkin capitalized on it. And now has this whole Parents for Youngkin coalition. He could have easily said that for us it is important that in Virginia schools teach not only the good things about our country, but also learn about the atrocities so that way they won't make the same mistakes that we did to get here. It's not to make a kid or a child feel guilty about it. It's so that they can become aware of what's going on in this country and that they can learn that there are ways to improve it by learning what not to do. And yet, and yet, Terry McAuliffe did not convey it that way. And made it seem as if parents don't belong near the schools anyway or shouldn't dictate what the schools teach. And whatever opinion you have on that, that is your opinion. In my opinion, I do believe that parents and the school boards should work together, but they should not be able to like go in and ban books because it might make a student feel uncomfortable or that they shouldn't go in and try to you know, force a certain curriculum 
I can get that part. Or try to bully an administration or threaten an administration, which other states have been caught doing because of COVID. There was a way that Terry could have made it make sense. And unfortunately, he did not. And then he doubled down on it. So that already put him in, in such a large hole to climb out of. And I wanted to really like talk more about the demographic that Terry McAuliffe lost because of those comments. And unfortunately, white women voters. Now I could go on a whole rant about what I think about that voting block, but I'm not going to. The only thing that I'm going to say is remember, white women voted for Trump and gave us Trump. And especially those non-college white women voters who may or may not understand exactly the, um, the complexities of having positive race relations. They want to do the status quo and obviously don't have any understanding of where they are in the uh, white male patriarchy or hierarchy. But go along with it anyway. Because it has been ingrained in their minds that they are still better than a certain kind of people. <sighs> Man. Yeah, yeah. I hope y'all know that I, I'm just frustrated. But I'm more so frustrated at us because we didn't do our part. Yes, black people did get up and vote. Not enough of us did. Not enough of young folk did. And granted, it was the highest turnout ever for a a gubernatorial election. But it wasn't in favor of Democrats. Here was another issue. Here, herein lies the un- another issue. We're just gonna have to fix. There is some silver lining, though. One, Virginia has to ungerrymander its districts by 2023, no matter what happens, because that's been codified into law now. They have to change around the districts. So, those gerrymandered districts for some of those Republican delegates, obviously, that's gonna be fixed around. So by the time the 2025 gubernatorial election comes around, it, it'll it be a little different. Hell, even before then, when uh, the 2023 uh, delegate and VA Senate election comes around, it'll be different. Well, there's also another silver lining to this as well. Um, even though the GOP had a clean sweep of the governor seat, the lieutenant governor seat, the attorney general seat, and even the House of Delegates, the VA Senate is still blue. So we can, at at the very best, we can hope for is gridlock so that Youngkin can't get the majority of his policies passed and try to overturn some of these laws that actually helped Virginia families and actually helped veterans in Virginia and also helped uh, black and brown communities in Virginia. 
I, well, the other silver lining is, of course, uh, and some people, you might take this as a grain of salt, whatever, or, or what may have, but in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy was able to get reelected, and he's the first Democrat to be reelected in the governor's seat since 1977. Now, some of you might be like, oh, it was way too close. He should have won this by a landslide. You are valid. I agree. Yes. But the fact that it has not been done in 44 years, and now they fi were finally able to get a Democratic governor reelected in New Jersey, that actually says a lot. And I think what the media is going to do is try to turn it more into a gloom and doom situation because of what happened here in Virginia. But what Phil Murphy was able to do, he was able to buck a trend. Virginia continued to follow a trend of voting for the opposite party uh, from the White House. New, excuse me, New Jersey did something different. They bucked a trend and turned it around. So there is a positive in that. For those of us who continue to want civil rights to be pushed with this White House, and I can understand how you may or may not feel about Joe Biden. For those of us who understand what's going on in, in the Senate right now, all I have to say is those two Democratic senators, quote unquote, who shall remain nameless, if they don't get on board, it's going to be a bloodbath in 2022 and 2024. Because all the stuff that they're talking about and all the things that they're talking about as far as not going along with Biden's plan, they better get their act together because soon they're going to find themselves either out of a seat or out of power or both or and none of their agendas are going to get passed. But we all know why they're doing it because lobbyists are in their pocket. Because you got that one nameless senator in Arizona who uh, clearly she was a sleeper agent. For the opposition. And then you've got the other one in West Virginia. Who wants to hold on to as many of those coal mining jobs that he possibly can. Knowing good and well the coal mining industry has been long dead. But anyway. I've been speaking ad nauseum for over an hour now. Well not, not an hour but close to it. So I'm just going to go ahead and end it here. I didn't want to get into like a screen match or a shot match or a cussing vent session because I, I could have, but I'm going to keep it subtle because, again, there is some silver lining in this. I just know that if we want more progressive policies, we better stop falling asleep at the wheel like this because I understand black people's hesitancy to trust in government, but if you... If we don't come together and form some sort of coalition to, to to buck this, those progressive policies will never come to fruition. And we're just going to continue this rinse and repeat cycle over and over and over again. And I know that my folk out here don't want that. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to my little rant session here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and post this. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna pop up on Friday. By the time you hear this, this will be Friday, November fifth. So, 
as always, be sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the Chaotic Culture Podcast. You can follow us and like us on Facebook at our Facebook page. That's Chaotic Culture Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Chaotic Culture Pod. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Chaotic underscore Culture. You can follow me, Ked the Pro. That's K3D the Pro on all social media. You can follow Miss Nasa at underscore call me Nasa on all social media. And you can follow my boy Law on Instagram at L.JR underscore 96 and on Twitter at Law 96 underscore. Please be sure that you continue to listen to us, support us, and subscribe to our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash chaotic culture pod. Support us at all four levels. It doesn't matter which level you choose. I would greatly appreciate your support. Thank you guys for once again tuning in to the Chaotic Culture Podcast. This has been Ked the Pro. Please be safe out here, guys. Please continue to fight for progressive policies and to fight for your right to live as a human being. Please be sure that you also continue to mask up. Please continue to social distance. Please continue to do your research on this vaccine. Please get vaccinated unless you're immunocompromised, in which case continue to do all those things with the exception of the vaccine. And please don't let social media poison your mind as to what is right and what is wrong. Do not let this thing get to you. For those of us who are dealing with some mental health issues right now, I just want to know that my heart and, and my soul is with you at this moment. I'm still dealing with some issues myself, but just know that it is okay to not be okay, and it is okay to seek guidance. Please understand that there is a difference between a therapist, and a guidance counselor, and a pastoral counselor. But there's no issue in seeking all three. Please make sure that you continue to do so. Please make sure that you watch not only your mental health, but your physical health as well. And this has been kept. Mm, goodness gracious, I'm about to mess up my own ending. Good, good God. Yo, <laughs> let me get my thoughts together. Um, this has been Ked the Pro with the Chaotic Culture Podcast. Be blessed. Be safe. God is love. Look, it's chaos in these streets, so let's talk about it, please. Let's hold some conversation. You see where I'm coming from? Yes, it's so amazing. Go on here, get comfortable. You can grab a seat, take a load off your feet. Yeah, welcome to the table. We don't tell no lies over here. This ain't no fable. We just live our lives over here. We ain't no angels. We just shine our light over here. We got the power. Uh, we just showing love over here. Cause everybody needs some. Yeah. And we don't need a reason. Everybody needs some. And we don't need a reason. Cause.